chapter 7. And <clears throat> we have Jesus who is in the temple. He is teaching. And in John 7.31, many of the people begin to believe in Jesus as the Christ. The people, they're starting to reason. When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than we've seen Jesus do? They've witnessed many of Jesus' miracles, his healings. Uh, many of them participated in the, the feeding of the 5,000. But now we have Jesus, and he's there in temple, and he's teaching. And many now believe Jesus is the long-awaited Christ. So let's read John chapter 7, verse 32 through 36. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer than I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You shall seek me and not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. There in the temple we have a scene where the Pharisees and the rabbis and the chief priests, they're closely observing Jesus, and they also have their eye on the crowds. What are the people doing? Are they listening to Jesus? Are they believing in Jesus? And the Pharisees, they hear this murmuring of the crowds. No one dares to raise their voice, but it's a low-toned murmur. Have you ever noticed when somebody wants to tell you something that's confidential or perhaps uh, <clears throat> insightful, they will lean up close to you and begin to almost whisper? Now, that's bad for me because I'm a little hard of hearing as it is. And I go, huh? <laughs> because I don't hear so well. But the crowds are murmuring, and it's a low, hushed tone murmur. The chief priests, however, send the temple guards to arrest Jesus. The Pharisees and these religious leaders are not seeking or looking for Messiah. They are in what we would call a protective mode. They're like, they like the religious structure as it is. They enjoy being in power over the people. <clears throat> and in politics, there's a, a pattern of order. Even today, we see the first order is to get elected. The second order is stay in power by getting reelected. These religious leaders, they are against Jesus. They look upon Jesus as a threat to their power and a threat to their financial system 
And many of the people are beginning to believe, beginning to turn to Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. And this is a definite threat to their power. The religious leaders, their thinking goes something like this. If we admit Jesus is the Messiah, our entire life and our position of power will be lost. So they can't admit Jesus is Messiah. For the cost of accepting Jesus as Messiah, it has a price tag to them. They will lose personal riches. So their thinking goes something like this. They, we should probably try to kill Jesus. And it's a cold, practical solution for these power-hungry religious leaders. And Jesus has told them, you have the Mosaic law, but none of you keep it. So the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, they take action. And they send temple guards and officers to arrest Jesus. Jesus has a word for these temple guards. I'm only going to be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. And then you will seek me and not find me. For where I am going, you cannot come. Now, I find it very intriguing that these officers, this temple guard, that come to arrest Jesus, but they can't. Now, they had power to arrest him, but they can't arrest him. So why can't they arrest Jesus? Well, Jesus' disciples, they can't protect Jesus, and the people are afraid to speak up above a murmur, what stops them from arresting Jesus? Verse 30, no one lays a hand on Jesus because his hour had not yet come. These authorities wanting to arrest Jesus, but they simply cannot. Even in the midst of chaos, we see here in this divided crowd, Jesus is in control. And it's a chaotic scene. This is the middle of the feast, that week-long feast of tabernacles. And it's there in Jerusalem, officers, soldiers sent to arrest Jesus, but they can't. Let's read verse 37 through 39. <clears throat> and then on the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We come down to the last day of the feast, a week-long feast. And Jesus stands up and cries out. Now, the custom of that day is the teacher would sit and people would gather around. And he stands up 
he wants their attention. And he's, he cries out, lifts his voice. If anyone's thirst, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is standing, he's crying out, and this was not his normal or usual manner, our custom to teaching, but Jesus feels he must reach this large feast crowd on the last day of the feast. The previous days of the feast, every day they would bring a large golden pitcher of water from the pool of Siloam and they would pour it out on the altar. And I'm sure it's just after one of these pouring outs on the altar that Jesus proclaims to the crowd, you know, come, drink of me and I will give you rivers of living water. And this pitcher of water was to signify that God provided water for Israel out in the wilderness when they were fleeing Egypt. Jesus has a message. Come to me and drink. And this is one of the last times that Jesus will have a public teaching there in the temple. This is one of the last times before he goes to the cross that he addresses the people. So is Jesus asking us, are you thirsty for spiritual life? He asked them, has the Jewish law left you desiring a personal relationship with God? A straightforward question. Are you thirsty for reality? Do you want a real relationship with God? <clears throat> and that's a question that any who seek a satisfying encounter with the living Son of God must answer. Do you just want to go to church or do you want a vibrant, alive relationship with Jesus? The Christian world perhaps has left you thirsty for an up-close relationship with Jesus. Maybe you found yourself thirsting for Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, that comes from Jesus, our Creator. He created us body, soul, and spirit. Jesus is speaking of a spiritual relationship with himself. And he says the only way it can come is through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit that he will give to believers, but he says it's not quite yet. It hasn't been given that not of yet. And we can fall into thinking, well, Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's died. He's resurrected. 
And he has given us the Holy Spirit. So there we are, home free. And our relationship with God, through and by the Spirit, we can look upon it as being complete. Let me challenge you to a deeper experience with Jesus. Jesus has offered a satisfying drink of himself to each and every one of us. How satisfying? A relationship where we have rivers of living water flowing forth from us. What a poetic way to say that he will satisfy. So what is our duty, our consequences here? Approach God with a thirsty heart. Don't approach him through a denomination, a church, any church. Approach him with a thirsty heart. A heart that desires more of Jesus through and by his Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit perhaps is the most mysterious uh, being of the Godhead. And he gives gifts of himself and to edify others and to edify ourselves. Listen to the words of Jesus. Seek those rivers that will flow from your inner being and satisfy your thirsty heart. The church, the Christian church, did not come become a force of Christianity until after the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. There was a group of 120 in the upper room, and this group of 120 changed the world by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's foolish of us to think we can contain or experience our quote-unquote quota of the Holy Spirit. Allow God, the Spirit, to take you to that deeper experience of the Holy Spirit, where rivers of living water will flow out of you. One of the great characteristics of God is he is infinite. And that means he is beyond our ability to even think or imagine his greatness. Yet we want to put limits on him in our relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, our creator, has made himself available to us. No, it's actually stronger than that. He desires us to be completely satisfied by his Holy Spirit. Now, we all have imaginations that can run amok. <laughs> but 
Ask yourself, how long has it been since you were deliriously excited or happy about being a born-again believer? That should excite each and every one of us. That should get us out of the bed in the morning. And our Lord offers us His Holy Spirit. And you know what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit? He's just like me. He's just like me. As a Spirit-filled believer, we should be just like the disciples as they walked with Jesus. I've often wondered what it would have been like to be one of his disciples, to go where he went, to see his miracles, to hear his teaching, and just uh, be up close and personal. The work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus in our lives. He points us to Jesus. But you know, we can fall into a trap of thinking. I've been born again. I'm spirit-filled. and Therefore, I have all of God that I need. And so I'll just kind of go along my merry way. And we, for the lack of a better term, can sometimes get caught up into acting out our religion decently and in order. We do not enjoy the rivers of joy and delight to flow out of us because we limit the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A little confession. When we go through our worship songs and I go to the back and then I come forward, <clears throat> I find myself becoming cautious in my worship, not allowing myself to truly enter into worship because in a few seconds i got to go up there and talk to these people. I must teach and get caught up in my responsibilities versus truly worshiping God. We call our musical team a worship team. How about that? <laughs> we worship. And we're to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus desires to give us rivers. He didn't say little creeks. He didn't say little streams. He didn't say a pond. Rivers of living water to flow out of our heart. That's his desire for us. And that is a joyous thing to have happen in your life. But it's to happen how? By his Holy Spirit. He said, I will give you my spirit that will bring this about. So are you bogged down in mediocrity in your Christian walk? Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Allow him to bring forth the reality of Jesus and himself living within us. Paul said, it's a great mystery, I tell you. The indwelling of Jesus in us. 
Jesus says it's his Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to make your life meaningful and delightful. There's no greater joy than to have the Holy Spirit working in you to bring about the will of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Now, there will be people in the prayer area that would be happy to pray for you. Our scripture reading says the, the Father gives good gifts. And he said he will give us the Holy Spirit if what? We simply ask. There's no prepping for the Holy Spirit. He will give it to us if we will ask. Let's pray. Father God, we're asking for you to give us your spirit. Lord, we need your spirit. We need your spirit to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us. When we become downhearted, to lift us up, give us joy that is unspeakable. Let our relationship with you, Lord, just grow to the point where we cannot contain it. And that rivers would flow out of us, rivers of living water. Help us, Lord, to understand that you're much greater and bigger than anything we could attempt to limit the control of. Don't allow us to limit your spirit in our lives, Lord. Fill us afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit is our prayer. And we ask this of you, Jesus, who promises to give us the spirit. So we thank you for that. Fill us afresh and anew is our prayer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.